it's Adam, and we had the incredible opportunity to speak with Baby Jake over Zoom video. Baby Jake was born in Key West, Florida, but grew up a little bit north of there. He comes from a musical family. His dad's a singer, not a professional singer, but he's a fantastic singer. He plays in a cover band still to this day. And he's the one that bought Jake his first guitar when he was around 11 years old and taught him how to play Smoke on the Water. Jake was an athlete as well growing up, so he kind of put the guitar down after a couple of years of playing and a couple of years of having lessons. Uh, it wasn't until he was 16 when he picked the guitar back up and he started putting songs up on his Instagram feed. So he tells us about doing that for the first time, collaborating with a neighbor, and that's when he got into producing and using FL Studio and learning how to write beats and produce beats. He talked about his previous project, which had some success online, getting signed to Universal Music, forming Baby Jake, the success of the song Cigarettes on Patios, and the new direction he has taken on his brand new record, more of a classic rock vibe and recording everything to analog. He goes into great detail all about that as well. You can watch our interview with Baby Jake on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Baby Jake. Thanks for doing this. Um, this podcast is about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk about your, your new stuff coming out as well. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked. I'm stoked. Well, uh, first off, where were you born and raised? I was born in Fort Myers, Florida. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I was born in Key West, Florida. I don't know why I said Fort Myers. I was raised in Fort Myers, Florida. I was okay. born in Key West, Florida. You know, that crowd was a little too wild to raise a kid. I think my parents uh, decided so. They went a little further up the the southwest coast of Florida. Okay, so we're, they were living in QS, obviously prior, and yeah, like- my dad's my dad's a commercial seafood salesman, so he used to run the docks down there for the shrimp boats and stuff. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Pretty crazy, pretty uh, pretty wild. My mom's an immigrant from Lithuania who immigrated here, and uh, was was a teacher, and my dad was, I mean, still is a uh, commercial seafood salesman. Wow. So did you spend a lot of time down on the docks as a kid? Uh, I mean, I don't remember. But yeah, even when I was in high school, my dad would be like, you know, pack up. We're going to go. uh, We're going to go to Tampa to Tarpon Springs to help unload this boat, you know, with all these shrimp or whatever. So I was I've definitely been around it my whole life. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Like, that's an interesting uh, career. Yeah. I mean, he wanted he was a singer. He sang, he was a terrible high school student. He tested really well. He, he like almost got a perfect score on the SAT. So oh, he was smart. Wow. He, had, he had a high IQ. He was a smart guy. And he still is. He's an extremely intelligent man. But, but he was just, he didn't have any interest in school. So mm-hmm. he, he was singing in bands all throughout high school. And then my dad's 70. He's turning 71 years old. So that was right during the Vietnam War. So he got drafted into the war. He said, if it wasn't for the war, I would have gone and, and tried my luck in L.A. and tried to be a singer. Whoa. They oh said it wasn't gosh. for the war and then got out of the war. And he's like, you know, had a wife at that time, had just had a kid. He's like, I had to get my life in order. I had to start making money because I wasn't going to be able to uh, to raise your brother, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. So he probably um, is really stoked and proud of what you have going on, I'm sure. Oh, Totally. I mean, that dude's still got a voice. He's actually in a cover. He lives in in Waynesville, 
North Carolina, which is about 30 minutes from Asheville, North Carolina now. And, uh, and he's in a cover band that he made with his friends and they do old, you know, bad company covers and stuff like that. And he's the lead singer. And the name of the cover band is flatbed Ford. <laughs> That's awesome. And I said, you guys are cooler than me. Are you going to get him on your record at all? Have him do some backing vocals or something. I've been considering. I, I want to do a record, uh, Baby Jake featuring Tony Herring. I think that would be cool. That would be. That is so cool. I'm sure he would like love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think he'd get a kick out. For sure. So dad's singer, is that, did he kind of get you into music as well? Um, yeah, he, he got me my first guitar. But okay. he was really, so it was more like, you know, I got my first guitar. I started, you know, he, he taught me like smoke on the water. Oh, rad. Of course. And then he says, all right, you got YouTube, you know, figure it out basically. So, uh, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of time to play together until I got older and he kind of stopped, stopped working as much, Mm -hmm. but, uh, he definitely was an influence early on. My mom also played violin during the years of the Soviet union in, in school. They, they forced her basically to play violin and, uh, she played for like nine, 10 years. So she has a, a bit of a musical background too. Well, how I'm curious to know, like, when did she come over to the States? That must have been an interesting transition. I, I don't know. I'm, well, I want to say in the 80s, may, okay. maybe even in the late 70s. I'm okay. not exact, but yeah, I mean, she she immigrated here illegally because there was no option. She had to escape the Soviet Union, basically. Sure. No, you I know. know. So, That's what was fascinating. That, it that was like here, for like, her. Like in her family, it was like, man, this is the best thing that could have happened because it was really bad in, in Lithuania at the time. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Have you had a chance to ever go there or go back yeah, there? I, I mean, I speak, I speak Lithuanian and all my cousins, I talk to them and stuff. I used to go when I was, when I was younger, um, a couple times, but I haven't been back in probably like 10 years or something like that. Wow. That's pretty incredible to be able to speak the language and everything. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, there's only 3 million people and diminishing that speak the language and that are in the country. So it's like, it's cool, but I, you know, kind of wish it was Spanish or something like that, you know, that I could, that <laughs> it's I could a little more useful. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, be a Spanish songwriter. It's like, what am I going to do? Use this first Lithuanian songwriting. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is it something you think you'll pass on? Um, probably. I mean, if I can, you know, it depends. It's, it's hard because even me, I think I was really lucky to pick up on it. Um, because my dad's not, my dad's from Texas, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like having one family member that speaks and is from another country and one that doesn't like my dad tried to learn it, but it just never worked out. You know, it was just really hard for him and, and languages are difficult for a lot of people. So sure. it depends on marrying a girl, maybe, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause my wife, she's half Filipino. Her mom immigrated here from the Philippines when she, like in the eighties also. And she did, can't speak Tagalog at all. Like, but wow. you know, her mom will speak within her. She, her mom doesn't use it very often, but it's one of those things like her dad was from here and it never like transferred to her, you know what I mean? And he can't speak it. Yeah. That's, um, that's usually how it goes. So I was fortunate enough to, to learn it, you know, from my mom at an early age. That's cool. Okay. Well, back. Well, so you got a guitar from, from daddy taught you smoke on the water. Was that the first instrument you learned how to play? Yeah, guitar. And then I kind of like, I really, I wanted to be Slash. You know, that was right around when Rock Band came out. Okay. And 
I, I loved rock band. I just wanted to be like Slash. You know, he was the coolest dude in rock band that you could be. So I was like, I didn't even want to be a singer. I wanted to be a guitar player. And uh, and then I was like, man, I, I took like a year of lessons later on when I was in like maybe like my late years of middle school. But I was just so obsessed with sports at the time that I kind of like set it aside for some years until I was like 16. And then I picked it back up. And ever since then, I've been playing. And I okay. learned throughout that I started kind of producing and, and playing the piano just by ear when I was like 13, 14. Because mm -hmm. my, lot friend, my friend was a saxophone player in the, in the high school band. So I was like, I saw him all the time. He lived down the street from me and he was a saxophone player. So he's like, hey, you know, my, my brother's into this hip hop stuff. And we were obviously into like, this was like right when graduation came out from Kanye and stuff. You know what I mean? Okay, like 2007, sure. 2008. And so we were like, man, we want to get into like, you know, whatever production is and how to, how they make those beats. So we started fucking around on FL studio and trying to make beats, which are still up there. Beats from like 10 years ago are still on YouTube that you can find that I made. I'm not going to give that, that name out, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's rad. Cool. Cause I was, I was going to ask you about that. Your new song that you just released is very guitar heavy. I mean, it, yeah. it's a rocking song. And then late earlier in your catalog is a lot more of the produced sounding, you know, sound like, you know, the big, like cigarettes on patios doesn't sound anything like really what you, what, what the most recent song that you put out. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've always been a fan of like classic rock. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize, to be honest with you, until about a year ago, maybe two years ago, how big of a fan of classic rock I was. And not just classic rock. I mean, I listened to like a lot of blues and, and jazz and even like Spanish genres, cumbia and salsa and corridos and stuff like that, because I really appreciate live instruments. And so I just kind of made the decision that once what changed everything for me was when I started hearing it live when I started doing rehearsals with my band live and I heard the songs that were produced with a live band versus the songs that were all live instruments with a live band, they just sounded so much better when you made them with real instruments, mm -hmm. because you can mimic those real instruments on stage with real instruments. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. it's like you got to make a, a synth sound like a certain way or whatever, you know? So yeah, I mean, I'm going straight rock and roll. This album is like a mixture the next I'm working on the next project already for the second album. Hopefully I'm, I mean, I'm trying to push music out. Like if I can, like two albums a year, you know, wow. I want to, I want to just, and I'm going straight rock and roll, all analog. Everything's going to be ran through a tape machine. Really? Mean, we're going to get it mixed down. Like, you know, by probably somebody who's really talented at mixing and a little more modern, maybe mm -hmm. to give it that sound, but I'm doing everything analog. I mean, me and That's my partner, cool. it, and are playing all the instruments ourselves and it's pretty cool wow and, and what about daddy's coming home is that all done that way or is that yeah yeah daddy's coming home is live drums i'm playing the the guitar and the bass um we started with the guitar i was just playing the, the my, my telecaster on the ground through the amp then we mic'd it i mean we do everything we engineer like i'm using a lot of people don't know I'm a producer too, you know, so, and an engineer, I've engineered myself for years. So it's me and my partner, like I said, Danny Scheinman, I'm sitting there fucking with the patch bay, you know what I mean? Down to like oh, wow. moving the wires around and shit and miking different amps and stuff like that. So yeah, it started on guitar. 
I, uh, I laid the guitar down. I started singing the melody. I usually write the, the lyrics at the same time that I'm writing the, the guitar part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we put the bass down and then he played the live drums. And then we got, I don't know if you can hear it. I mean, you can definitely hear it, but I don't know if many people know this, but we got uh, three choir singers to back the vocal and the hook. Oh, little, okay. Yeah, I, now it. you mentioned that you can hear it. Yeah, I mean, I can hear it in my head just playing back in my brain the chorus yeah. hook. So, yeah, I mean, I'm stoked on the record, man. That's one of those ones I I'm, I'm I, I played it live at a little a little show at Venice Beach about a week ago. It's like 100 people just in a backyard. And, man, it's just like the reactions to see some, you know, to see like people kind of being like, man, that, that's a rock record. You know, I, I, it felt really good. So. I'm I'm trying to push that record heavy. Oh, it's awesome. Was that something you might have been concerned about, like going that route? Because it's a, quite a bit different than your earlier songs. No, because thankfully I have, you know, thankfully Scooter's really supportive of whatever I want to do. And SB Projects has been really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, Republic Records, you know, you got to You got to do your swindling. You know what I mean? I got, you know, you got to put some of those little more poppy tracks for sure. But. I don't really care, man. To be honest, I'm I'm going to do whatever. At this point, you know, I'm in my career and in my life. I just want to do whatever I'm most authentic with. Mm-hmm. And it's the rock and roll. You know, it's really the it's the rock and roll. It's the blues. It's the even down to the James Taylor and the Nora Jones sounding stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like that's where my heart really is. And um uh, you know, whether the label and me have a relationship moving forward, you know, doing that stuff. Great. If we don't, great. I'll move on. You know, I'll do something with somebody else or maybe I'll stay independent or whatever. But I, I think I think rock and roll is going to come back heavy in the next two, three years. I mean, mm-hmm. you see Miley Cyrus doing the Metallica cover. You sure. see Olivia Rodrigo putting pop punk into her number right. one record, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited. I, I'm hoping that this classic rock sound comes back, you know, Greta Van Fleet, they're already kind of doing it. Yeah, they're doing so, it right. And they've been doing it for a few years now. People rag on them because of the Led Zeppelin comparison, but I can't rag on them because I'm like, dude, you guys are doing it. You guys are showing, even if you are, you know, not are, but even if you sound like a Led Zeppelin 2.0, I respect the fuck out of it because they're doing it. Right. They're getting hundreds of millions of streams performing rock and roll playing huge, playing the biggest venues, some of the biggest venues in each city they come to. I mean, right, oh, yeah. they're playing the amphitheaters. If those, if those dudes went on tour with, like, the Rolling Stones or something, their, their numbers would go bonkers, you know? Right. But yeah, because they could pull in that crowd, right? Well, yeah. my, the, this, this band, The Struts, has that sound, too, the rock and roll yeah. sound. Um, yeah. But it, you can even hear it, though, on your the, the record you put out last year with Head in the Clouds has that kind of rock. I mean, guitar-heavy okay. sound to it. Yeah, it's definitely a little, I mean, you know, that that record was more, uh, at that time, I was going through a huge Weezer phase. So okay. it was like, it was very Weezer, it was very uh, the Cars, you know, like kind of like that type of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, this album is a mixture, like I said, it's, you know, it's a little bit of pop, there's a little hip hop on it, um, there's a lot of alternative on it, but moving forward, I think like my biggest inspiration is the Rolling Stones for sure. Specifically, cool. like they're more bluesy stuff, you know, the Beast of Burden records, the oh. the, the the blues records that they do. I, I'm super into that stuff, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. And this this the record, the at least uh, Daddy's coming home. You can definitely hear that. Yeah, definitely hear that. Um, I'm curious, like, to, just to go back a little bit further. Um, 
you get the guitar, you, you start playing with your your neighbor, your buddy with that played saxophone. Like, did you guys form a band together? Like, how did what was the next step in your musical journey? No, it was kind of uh, it was kind of that we just we we just started producing. We wanted to make hip hop, you know, because okay. we we're all, I was playing sports. He was in a band, but he was super into like I mean, dude, he was like huge Freddie Gibbs fan when Freddie Gibbs was like just starting when Freddie Gibbs had the ghetto that song called the ghetto on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't even like a pop and artist, you know? Um, so we were just doing the hip hop stuff. It wasn't, I was kind of doing the, like, you know, the Crosby stills and Nash, James Taylor type folky sound by myself mm -hmm. in my room. And I was like, like I said, I was an athlete. So I posted on Instagram because I'm like, Hey, you know, the first time I posted on Instagram, it was nerve wracking. Cause like, you know, now I love singing in front of people, but back then it was like, Oh, People are going to hear my voice. I'm an athlete. I'm 16 years old. Like, what are my boys going to think? You know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Girls loved it. So I, I kept posting it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, girls like it. I, I, I'm trying to get some girls. You know, I'm in high school. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to keep posting these things. And I was doing covers and some originals. And it wasn't until I was 18 or 19 that I went and recorded my first studio EP. Okay. And what was that? What, the songs that you're putting up on Instagram, were those all cover? Not a lot of originals are going up on there. Yeah, there was originals going up okay. too. It was so long. This was like 2016. Okay. Um, it, no, that, that, the, the covers was like 2013, 2014. Um, but in 2016, I recorded my, my first like studio record. I remember it was in February because my birthday's in March. March 6th was my birthday. And I recorded it as a Valentine's day special at the studio, <laughs> they gave me, they gave me 48. It was like a total, it went, it was hourly for some reason. It was 48 hours. And I had this guy's Spencer Bradford, who was the engineer. And I came in saying, I didn't know, I, I didn't know shit about anything. So I came in saying, yeah, I want to do just me on acoustic guitar and me singing. And then by the end of it, by the end of my time slot, I said, well, where's the production? I wanted shakers and kick drums and, you know, this and I said, well, we didn't talk about that. I said, come on, man, just hook me up. I'm a young kid, you know, and he did it. And I had these this uh, this record called Little Mess that at the time it, it did like one point five million streams on Spotify. Wow. And, and that was huge as, a, as an independent still artist. Huge, right? Yeah. You know, as an independent artist. And, and, and at that time when Spotify was just kind of popping off, um, it was huge. Like, I thought I was rich, you know, mm -hmm. and I from thought there I I thought I was going to be famous forever. You know, in Tampa, Florida, I was famous. So, Right. Was, I mean, that's big. That's big. And then how, how do you how do you kind of keep the momentum going? Well, I fell off. That's what I did. Um, OK, I fell off heavy. I, I, I. At one point, I was talking to Ben Howard's label about signing to to their label to do folk music because it was a whole folk EP. All my old sound. You can look up oh. Little Massachusetts. It's still on there. It's under okay. Jake, not baby Jake, but um, it was a folk, you know, it was all folk. So I, I was getting hit up by like people more in that lane, you know, Vance Joy and, and the Ben Howard's management and their label. Mm -hmm. And I, I passed. I was like, no, I was like, I didn't even entertain it. I was like, no, because by the time I released it, I said, no, man, I want to I want to try electronic and R&B and hip hop and pop and all this. Like I wanted to do dance hall and all this stuff. So. For the next two years, I kind of fell off and experimented. I had another couple records, you know, do decently on Spotify. 400, 500,000 streams, a million streams here and there, whatever. But 
and, and then I came back to Fort Myers and that's when I really started owning in on like, Hey, I want to, you know, really do this shit. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just messing around until then. Okay. Well, was there was a moment trying- that made you decide like, I want to, this is it. I want to, the moment that made me around. decide I wanted to do it was when I saw the record do well, that first record. Okay. When that record off the EP did well. I said, I could make, you know, there's a chance I could actually do this shit. Right. That's what I had. I went to university of South Florida for a year. I dropped out. I, and I said I was going to chase music and that's what I did, you know? And, and for the next two years to three years, it was kind of a struggle and back and forth, you know, and living on my friend's, studio couch you know my mom and me getting in fights because she she didn't want me to be a dropout you know my mom's an immigrant so what she wants me to go go be a doctor go be a dentist go right do right. something <laughs> dopey musician you know and so um yeah and then i i i met this guy develop in miami who's mark anthony's nephew wow and in a producer he produced rap god for eminem and uh blunt blowing for Lil wayne and he has a whole bunch of cuts now with Jay Balvin and Bad Bunny and like all these, all these people. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. It was him and this other guy, Luyo and Luyo took me under his wing, but it was the original idea was to put me over. It was like English reggaeton. That hmm. was the original idea. We're going to sign you to UMLE universal music Latin, mm-hmm. and you're going to do English reggaeton music. And I said, you know, whatever, I'm just trying to, make a little bit of dough and do music. <laughs> right. so I was like, whatever. Came to LA. Uh, the car, the rental car gets broken into. They steal our computers. We lose all the stems. Of everything and you had I'm recorded? Talking, I'm talking, there was, yeah, all the stuff we had recorded. And I'm talking like on some of these computers was, you know, fuck me. On some of these computers was huge artist records that didn't get to come out because they lost all the stems. Oh my gosh. And so it was like, a, it was a big deal. And that's the day, I think the day after that, or two days after that, I, uh, I recorded cigarettes on patios out of frustration. It was kind of a frustration song, to be honest. Wow. Oh and then my I held, gosh. Held that for like two years until, you know, I, I eventually linked up with, with the label I'm with now and stuff. Okay. Was there a reason why you held the song? I held it because the people around me develop and Luyo and Cappy and some of these other guys were like, this is a really good record. We don't want it to flop for you. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's try to just hold and see if we can get somebody to back this, you know? And then mm-hmm. it was like, I had a couple label meetings a meeting with Atlantic because, you know, I, at that, at that moment in time, I was kind of in my foot was in the door because I was around all these people that had connections to the publishers and the labels and the managers and everything. So Due I started the universal music Latin. Yeah, not, not just okay. universal everywhere, you know, like right. it was just, they just, these guys are older, you know, they're in their forties. So it's like, they've been doing this for a while and they've, they've had experience and they know a lot of people. So I, I was talking to Atlantic for a while. I had a couple conversations with Columbia. And then when the scooter bronze shit happened, that's when every other label was like, wait a second, wait a second. We raised our hand too, you know? <laughs> but I ended up I ended up going with Scooter because he he basically promised uh, a management company within a label, which is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. my day to my day to management, you know, my, he's technically my manager, but I have a day to day and that's all under the label system. So it's kind of nice to have it in one place. Like all in house. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. And yeah. so, I mean, that record came out in 2019, Cigarettes and Patios. Yeah. So where, what was going on with you when uh, COVID happened? COVID, uh, well, one, I got sick. To, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease during COVID, oh. which, is, which was crazy. That's, that's what actually flipped the switch for me to start doing all the shit that I care about, which is wow. rock and roll alternative music, because I was going to put out another EP after that EP that was just going to be, because I record all types of music. You know, I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. Right. I write all music. So it's to me, it's like, you know, some days I walk in and I go, Oh, I want to write a pop song. Or I want to write, you know, a, a rap song or whatever. And I had a lot of records laying around. They said, why don't we just pile them all up and throw them on an EP? I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. And then I got sick and I said, I had the fear of death. You know, I really did. I thought I was going to die. I felt really, really bad at the time. And, uh, and I just was like, man, what am I doing this for? I started questioning myself. What am, what am I living for? You know, what am I doing this for? I've gotten so far in this industry into this, into this, you know, this machine that I forgot that the original reason that I'm recording music and making music is one, because I love to do it. And two, because I feel that I have something authentic to give to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of just writing pop records that that, you know, are top 40 or whatever, you know. So that was the that was the pivotal moment was kind of like when I was sick for about three months um, and tour got canceled. You know, it was, it was terrible. It was like COVID hit and it was like every musician in the world went off. Oh, shit. Scratch our heads. You know, damn, we, we can't tour. We can't do anything. You know, digital's great, but like it only lasts so long. And uh and I was like, man, I'm, when I come back, I'm going to do rock and roll. That was the switch that the switch to me. It was like, I'm going to follow what my heart is. And my heart is doing live instruments on live records and trying to do that. So these, you know, some of the records on this album that's coming out in September, um, some of them are older records that have more production. Mm -hmm. And some of them are, are records that are fairly newer and, and more in the alternative rock and roll space. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, that one record that you just put out is very alternative, like, but like it's alternative, like classic rock, but it's like, it sounds very new. If that makes sense. Like yeah, uh, the way to frame it, like that's, that's, that's this album will definitely sound new regardless of whether the records are, are, um, are like rock and roll leaning or not. It's going to sound new. You know, the next yeah. one is not going to, the next one's going to sound I want it to sound old. Okay. You want, I want it to, <laughs> I want it to sound old. I want it to hit in your car. Right. I want it to like, I want the speakers to feel like it's a modern mix, but I want the sounds. I mean, every way we're doing it is old. Everything we're doing is analog. Miking all the amps, miking the drum set, miking the bass. I mean, we're not, we're not doing anything even DI. There's no direct input into a preamp it's always through an amp if we're going to record a guitar we're going to mic the amp if we're going to record a bass we're going to mic the amp we're going to mic the room you know it's like wow it's, to me that's where hits are made because that's where mistakes are made i and like mistakes, that mistakes make hits that's sure. what i you know yeah there's something to be said about playing the song all the way through instead of just a piece and then like almost doubling it you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean look Linda, you know who Linda Perry is? Mm-hmm. I do. So, so Linda Perry, I swiped over by accident. She's actually, 
she's a good friend of mine. She actually co-wrote on one of these records that's on the album. Wow. Uh, she's like a powerhouse writer. I mean, she writes with so many people. And she's, you know, I mean, who doesn't know, hey, what's going on? Right. Hey, hey. <laughs> Legendary song. So she's, look, and that's a tough cookie. Linda Perry is a tough fucking cookie, you know? But we have a really good relationship. And she told me one time, we got in a, in a kind of a scuffle in the studio, you know, not an argument, but a disagreement. And I said, come on, I'm recording and I'm sitting across from her and I'm in the booth. And this is during COVID. So I'm walking in on a separate side of her home studio to be in the booth and she's in the control center and there's glass between us mm-hmm. and I'm going fly the hook, just fly the hook. She goes, no, nope. record it again, Jake. She's pressing the talk back, record it again, Jake. We're doing it one take all the way through. You're going to record the, the second hook is going to be different than the first hook. And I said, why can't we just fly the hook? She said, and she sat down, she said, Jake, can you calm down for a second? She said, I'm going to tell you something. You need to keep this dear to your heart. And I still keep it dear to my heart. And this was probably a year ago. She said, music is all about push and pull. And that stuck with me. You know, I said, what, what? at the time, I said, what the fuck she means to call about? Fly the goddamn hook. You know what I mean? But now, because I had a real timing issue. I always wanted things to be on time, on time, on time. When I started this new project, you know, that I'm, that I'm working on, like Daddy's Coming Home is even off time. The drums are not all on time. You know, there's parts of it that are not perfect. You know, and I think, I think moving forward, like props to my partner, Danny Scheiman, the, the producer and writer I work with, he, he kind of told me, he said, Jake, for once, just stop worrying about the timing. Let's record all the parts. If they're not perfect, let's record them all. Let's put them down. If they're not perfect, we can fix it after. Then I said, fuck it. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Sit down, record the guitar. I said, ah, there's some parts there, you know. They sound like we can nudge this. We can do this. He said, no, just leave it. Boom. Record the drums. Ah, the drums, you know, there's boom. Record the bass. Ah, okay. Shaker. Boom. Boom. By the, by the time you hit the sixth thing, by the time you hit the whirly, you go, damn, this shit sounds pretty good, man. You know, you, you, <laughs> it, it doesn't, when you solo, we found this Russian website because we were trying to, uh, we were trying to kind of, uh, reference Sympathy for a Devil, right? That record by the Rolling yeah. Stones, The yeah. Devil, whatever. And we're trying to reference those drums with the congos and stuff. And I said, let's see if we can find it online. So we found this Russian crack website that was that, that had the solo stem of the drums. And we're listening to the drums with the click. And we go, dude, this guy is like 10, to 15, maybe even 20 milliseconds off time every hit in the wrong direct left, right? <laughs> forward backwards late early late early and but you don't hear that when you listen to the record right you, know? you just feel it moving you and i and i think that's that's when it really clicked with me you know what linda said about music's all about push and pull the mm-hmm. mistakes that are made in a live studio atmosphere cannot be reciprocated in the box on a computer you can't do it Right. It's like something to the like grit and like the realness of it that, yeah. and especially coming from an analog world, like where do you even find someone that will willing to willing to take that on? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I, I, that I got this, this guy, you know, and he's a good friend of mine and he's a little bit older, you know, he's 35 years old. I mean, not a lot. He's not older. He's just older than me. I'm 24. He's 35. And uh-huh. you know, he comes from that space. He's from Chicago and he worked, he was in bands growing up and, I feel like, you know, my generation, a lot of people that are my age, they enjoy even the even the people that are in the entertainment industry. They enjoy the old records 
But if you told them how they made it, they wouldn't necessarily be down to go in and do it that way. Because I'm not going to lie, to set up mics on a drum, on a full drum set, to set up the microphones, the five microphones you need to make it sound good. I mean, depends what you're doing, but right. Mm -hmm. To set up a nice sounding drum set on a song, it might take you three hours mm -hmm. just to set up the mics how you want them. So it's, it's a little more time consuming. It's a little, it's a little more of a, a headache. You know, shit goes bad all the time. Wires go bad. Sometimes mics have buzzes, you know, there's grounding interference, all types of stuff, but it's, it, I, I think it pays off, man. I think the, 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 the thought of music being this thing, it's become this thing where it's like the producer plays you a beat and you're supposed to write a top line over it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how most hits were made. I think maybe like these modern hits for sure, but timeless records, Stevie Nicks wasn't sitting in there going, all right, play me the beat to landslide. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> like, Damn, this is hitting me in the moment right now with a certain emotion. Let me write about it. Mm -hmm. Or whoever it was, whether it was, you know, Matt. Mac or whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's, I love that. Uh, is it hard to kind of, because I know you've worked with, you know, like Louis the Child, for example, is huge into the pop world. Was Is it hard to kind of change mind shifts or like when you're writing that way? No, because... No, because I um, I enjoy writing that way too. Okay. I mean, it's it's become harder for me actually. But if I know I'm doing like the the one agreement that I made with myself internally is that I'm my personal stuff, my solo career. I'm gonna shift in this live music direction, and I want it to sound like that, and I can control all the aspects of it. When it comes to features. I'm down to kind of do whatever, you know, okay. I want to, I want to show people that, you know, Oh, I don't want to be the cool guy, rock star. You know, I mean, I would love to be considered a rock star, but like, I don't want to be the guy that's, Oh, he's too cool for all the other shit. That's mm -hmm. not me. I respect all other music. So sitting at, you know, Louis the child, those guys, Freddie and Freddie and Robbie, those guys are so talented, man. And, and they do it their own way, you know? And I think that, I'm trying to keep an open mind to all my features and doing records with other people because I think collaboration is important. And I think that doing stuff like that on the side will help me create better records, you know, doing it my way as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I do, it takes a mind shift. It takes a, a shift in my mindset for sure mm -hmm. when I get in the room. But once I shift it over and I kind of think, okay, here's, the, here's what we're in. But like, even those guys, we kind of worked that record from scratch it wasn't a beat that they played me you know we got in we sat down at, at freddie's house and freddie started playing the keys and robbie started playing this and we kept going and you know one hour in, we got one idea ah, it's kind of cool two hours in, we got another idea ah, it's kind of cool third idea boom we hit it we said this is the one i like it i'm writing a crazy top line it feels in the moment let's run with it let's do it we cut the demo vocal there and then we went to gold diggers and cut the final vocal and then it was a song you know Wow. Wow. That's cool, man. And I can't wait to hear the rest of this record that you have because I love that. I love the songs that you put out so far. I love Thank the you. rock sound that you have going on and the video you put out is super rad as well. Like it's the total like seventies, like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think the trailer the, park trash, you know? Yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the inspiration. Uh, I did it with a good friend of mine, Paris Mumpower. She was the director it's, it's really amazing working with close friends of yours because you can be so open. I said, look, Paris, 
judgment aside, I want it to look like trailer park trash. It was like and Dukes of Hazard was the word I was the word I was trying to go with. What I yeah, forgot it, of. <laughs> it, it it does sort of have that. And, and Paris Paris looked at me. She's from Virginia. Paris looked at me. She said, "Sweetie," and she's joking around. She don't have an accent like this. She goes, "Sweetie, <laughs> we can do trailer park trash. Let's do it." And I said, "All right." So, um, yeah, I'm I'm. The next record that I'm putting out too, uh, I don't know the exact date, but it's early August is going to be the next single. Um, I think we have two more singles before the album in September, but the next, the next record is a rock and roll record too. So I hope people enjoy it, man. It's a little softer, um, but I like it, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm excited. It's, it's titled watching. It's about, uh, it's, it's, I got the inspiration from uh, every breath you take. That was the, oh, okay. that was the because everybody uses that shit at weddings and ceremonies and, you know, all types of stuff. And the guy goes, dad even stole it. Yeah. And he, comes, <laughs> he comes, they're interviewing him and he goes, yeah, man, that song's about a creeper. <laughs> and I said, I like that. And so I just started, I mean, my next song, like I said, it's called watching and uh, it's about a creeper. It's about a creeper on sunset Boulevard. And that's the inspiration behind it. So I'm super excited about that one too. You know? Very cool. Well, I cannot wait to hear it. I love that. Jake, thank you so much, man, for doing this. It's been great. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah. I have one more question real quick before I let you go. Even sure, though you've sure. been dropping amazing advice throughout this whole thing, I wondered if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. Um, be true to you. I think that, that sounds cliche, corny, but like I, people are always worrying, you know, new artists are always worried about, how how's my like when the song comes out how's it gonna do who's gonna listen to it like all this stuff all this stuff that you don't need to worry about you know i truthfully believe that if you are talented and you're putting out music that you care about that you feel is authentic to you eventually the numbers will come eventually the fans will come eventually the money will come eventually the live shows will come eventually it'll be selling out will you be the rolling stones will you be drake maybe not but you, you know I, it's, it's not a bad life being a D list E list artist and touring and doing that for a living. You know, it's a fun life. So I think my best advice is for people to, for new aspiring artists to be authentic to themselves because I'm in the process of rebuilding my authenticity. And it's a lot harder when you've had a couple hits under your belt to rebuild your authenticity, authenticity with a different sound rather than just starting fresh with that sound. Because now I'm having to kind of, that's the reason I'm doing this album that's half alternative, half pop, because I don't just want to jump into the rock and roll. I want to tell my fans, like, here's where I'm going, you know? Let me steer the shit. So I think it would have been a lot easier if I just would have done it from the beginning, but I'm, I'm, I don't regret anything I did. I, I loved my journey thus far, and I'm excited for the journey to, that's, that's upcoming. And uh, yeah, for new artists, I think just stay authentic from the start, man, because those fans that you have in the very beginning, those are the diehard fans. You know, those are the people that are going to come drive two hours to come see you play in, in, in the city that's next to their hometown or whatever. So be authentic and never forget that if you got in, into music because you wanted to have fun, if you got into music because you wanted to express yourself, whatever it is, don't forget that's why you got into it. You know, don't get wrapped up in the business. Don't get wrapped up in the in the in the the making of records. You know, just think about it as why did you get into it and, and stick with that.